good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the ETVT Podcast, where you're free to build your perception from an infinite world of possibilities. I'm your host, Elijah Vargas. Now, this episode's topic is going to be on creative thinking, creativity, however you want to break it down. I am so passionate about this one because y'all, what the heck are we doing? Where are we going with this? We are developing this world now, or, or this culture. Let me not say world. We're developing this culture that is so set on fixated thinking and operation that we are lacking so much creativity. If you ask me, I don't believe that it's about how much you know about a particular topic, but how you can use what you know. And we have completely overlooked any of that. When I say creative thinking, and when I talk about knowledge per se, when I'm implying this knowledge to creative thinking, I'm explaining it in a way where you understand the topic or, or you have certain skills in this realm of study, you know, be it uh, neurology, be it programming, be it anatomy, be it engineering, you understand the numbers, you understand the structures, you understand all these great things. But what do you do with that knowledge? Are you expanding? Are you creating something new? Are you implementing new algorithms? Are you modifying older algorithms to run better? Are you having these new ideas? Are you connecting certain dots? Are, are you developing new theories? It pains me when I am working on a new project with a team, or if we're trying to solve a problem, and all we're thinking about and all we're using is what we have been told. What do I mean by that? What I mean is, see, my job involves a lot of troubleshooting. I am an IT person. And I can honestly tell you that there is no such thing as one problem being solved the same way every single time. And I truly believe from the bottom of my heart, I personally know that I excel because I like to use my ability in having knowledge of my systems, having knowledge of my project systems, but also understanding the number of reasons why a problem could occur. I always follow my steps. You know, I check hardware first. I, I, I go from, from top to bottom or bottom to top, depending on the nature of the situation. However, when I reach a certain point, I am always sure to consider what certain possibilities are. I love thinking theoretically. And honestly, I think everybody should. At the end of the day, do we understand that a lot of our, a lot of our professions are based off of past and current theories? We have the theory of electrons. We have the Big Bang Theory, I mean, especially if you're in science, okay? I mean, even, even in the world of, uh, in the health industry, what are we doing with these? And, you know, it's absolutely mind-boggling because we go to college and we get these jobs. And if you ask me, our jobs are filled with a lot of people who can just get the job done. We're getting the job done, we're doing what we're told, and then we're going home at the end of the day. Where's the expansion? Where is the creative thinking? 
when we're building people in, in the industry, particularly in the realm of education, because I am currently in college, I think it's kind of bogus that we are not only allowing ourselves to rely on curriculum thinking, curriculum, fixed curriculum thinking, but now when we go out into the industry, our interviewers are now judging people based off of what they know, not how they use what they know from the fixed curriculum. I mean, that's a lot of, if you understand what I'm saying, you understand that that is a lot of wasted potential, a lot of potential just thrown out the window. We have such amazing minds and we are not using them. I also see that as you get older, you slowly start to see it dying as people become more embedded inside the industry. I think that people fail to understand that patient, that patience and pacing yourself is actually the key and that there should never be a timeline against you. We measure our things or we measure our accomplishments and our knowledge based off of how long we've been doing it and how many certificates or pieces of paper that we have signed to us that hundreds and thousands and millions actually of people have. But we never sit down to actually discuss with people unless you are a really good professor that purely cares about how far your students can take their abilities and their knowledge. We are not telling people it's okay to not know this now. Show me what you got. Show me that you know where you can improve. And let's see if you have the creative thinking for this position. Personally, I think interviewers should first find the potential and then see what they could do with that potential. So to expand off of creative thinking and the idea of it in the corporate world and where I feel like we are slacking in terms of our roots, not only are we basically zombified and are we operating as if creativity shouldn't be a really high emphasis, but we're also ashamed to expand within ourselves. What do I mean by that? Let's talk about the importance of asking questions. Why not ask questions? Why not want to understand every aspect of the topic at hand? Next project you work on, pay attention to how many questions aren't asked, despite how much you know and people know they should be asking at the moment. And as time goes on, remember that feeling when, when you guys had the, the initial process of development and, and communication and pay attention to how much you could actually predict would have went wrong. And then when things go wrong, we are so ego-driven. We are also ashamed to own up to the bad idea of choosing to keep our mouth shut. I mean, it amazes me to think about if you put 20 people, 20 students into a room and you teach them a super complex thing, or better yet, since we're discussing the realm of corporate, let's talk about when we have meetings. There's a common stigma, and I feel like most businesses or most teams have this one guy that always asks all these questions. And I'm going to speak from personal experience here because I see it amongst my clients. I see it in my meetings it, it, amongst the computer team. And every time somebody asks a question, boop, the other employee's mics goes mute. And they're in the room like, oh my gosh, here goes Brett again asking all the questions. Why do we have that mindset? If somebody wants to ask questions in order to expand their understanding of the topic, clearly they want to find a way to use 
as much as they can with that knowledge. And we have normalized not emphasizing that. It's, it's insane. In the existence of verbal communication, there is an encoder and a decoder. And what I'm about to say works both ways. Just because you can't decode the creativity or the art of what someone's imagination is showing, or maybe it even makes you feel uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that that person is weird. It doesn't mean that that person in the meeting is talking too much. It means that you fail to see the beauty or humor behind what they're saying or doing. It's, it's not one-sided, though. Sometimes people are very weird and messed up in the head. I totally agree. Sometimes things are uncalled for. But if someone is asking questions that may seem like nonsense to you, or someone brings up this grand idea for something that logically may not make sense, but theoretically sounds actually pretty cool, don't shut the person out. Or don't go amongst your peers and talk about the other person. I'm going to be honest with you guys here. I have noticed that after I joined the military, and after I actually started working, you know, for the Department of Defense, really, truly, we operate as if even at the highest level professionalism, professionalism, if you can see the video I am doing quotes with my fingers, even at the highest level of professionalism, we act like it is a high school on steroids. And I'm saying that to bounce off my previous statement, where employees really downgrade, but passively downgrade behind another person's back for wanting to be creative and asking questions. So not only are we killing creativity in the way that we are teaching our students in a mass majority of our education system, but we are also bringing them into an industry that if it hasn't by the time they've graduated, that is also downgrading that idea. Now, let's not get confused and don't think that I'm saying that this is everywhere and that this is 100% of the world but I will definitely say that we have to work on it. I will definitely say that it is a large amount of the masses and it is very mind boggling. So I kind of want to shift from the lack of creative thinking in the corporate world. And I would like to get more on the topic of why it's so important personally, right? We have so many amazing artists, amazing thinkers who may not be the best at getting the best grades, who may not be the top-notch performer at their job, but have so much potential as a human being to create something phenomenal or to be a part of something phenomenal once they unlock that true potential. Because y'all, if you do any type of reading, or if you remember from maybe your psychology one class, the human mind is extremely complex. Compared to the level of complexity that our mind is, the way that we choose to view it and the way that we build our, our corporate educational perception on it is on such a low scale, it is unbelievable to think about. And I cannot stand it. So I personally believe that every single person has the right and also should understand and should be encouraged to use that right to reach the most creative peak that they possibly can. I know I talk about Ashley Stahl's book a lot, but it is because I'm currently reading it. And this really bounces off the idea of finding your core skill set. Now, she separates it into different groups. 
which is like words, technology, um, servicing, and a whole bunch of other things. The point is, we we as humans are so beyond creative in what we can achieve, but we are also in a system that is killing it. And we need to stop encouraging that because at the end of the day, it's going to hurt everybody. We should encourage people to achieve their most highest level of creative thinking. We should develop programs that are made for people to boost their creativity because honestly, everybody's creative in their own way. I purely believe that. We need to stop locking people into the idea that if they can't write a paper based off of a fixed standard set by another individual who's in charge of the class or the individual who has been giving the policies or the rules or whatever from whatever school they're working for, the same thing goes for the corporate world. We need to cut that. And we need to start seeing the beauty in the different ways that people write, in the different ways that people use their words, and in different ways that people are viewing technology. And another thing we need to understand is we are not aiming to create student prodigies or prodigies, however you pronounce it. I had said in the beginning of the podcast that patience is so important. I'm going to extend off of that. If you have ever read Adam Grant's book called The Originals, How Non-Conformists Move the World, I'm going to share with you um, page nine, paragraph two, one of the most beautiful things I've read that stuck with me to the day I die. Check this out. Child prodigies, it turns out, rarely go on to change the world. When psychologists study history's most eminent and influential people, they discover that many of them weren't unusually gifted as children. And if you assemble a large group of child prodigies and follow them for their entire lives, you'll find that they don't outshine their less presocious peers from families of similar means. Now, I mean, the page goes into great detail, but I'm going to sum it up. So I don't read the whole thing because I love it. Basically, he goes on to explain how in the world of art, more particularly, this was an example using music. If you have a child that you have taught and raised for the first three or four years of their life to play Beethoven, when you first see them play Beethoven, it's absolutely phenomenal. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe this. But what usually happens with child prodigies in this situation? According to the book, what usually happens is they go on playing other people's music so much that at no point do they figure out what it means to create chord structures by themselves, to play notes a certain way to write their own music straight from scratch. And without me going so long into this particular example, I'm sure that you can see where this is headed. And you can imply that to every profession that there is. But as an artist, as a human being, as a person who has a core skill set, no matter who you are, what the hell are we doing with ourselves? Why are we forcing ourselves to only mimic the things that we know? Why aren't we emphasizing building off of these theories, creating our own theories? Why is it so much more rare for that to happen than it is for somebody to just get their degree and throw themselves into the industry? And it bugs me because I've, I've had a few interviews recently and I have definitely talked with a few of my peers 
And I mean, it's the world that we live in, right? When you have an interview, they're only going to question what you know about this particular system. They're not really going to care. Personally, from my personal experience, they're not really going to care to look at the details and expand off of the scope of your resume. Half the time, I don't even know if they really read your resume besides the key points that is supposed to relate to the job that you've applied for. And it's, it's amazing, y'all. And I hope that from everything that I just said up to this point, you're kind of thinking, wow. My point of saying all this is for you to understand that no matter who you are, what you're doing, you should be absolutely dedicated right now or motivated to cut all the BS out and admit that you are who you are you want to do what you want to do and you should be absolutely shameless and how you and how you decide to pursue what you want and how you want because what you have to offer to the world why it may not seem like a big deal it is definitely a big deal because it is unique to you and it should be shared we need unique uniqueness don't compare your creativity to everyone else's it's it's not about what everyone else has it's about you being that major piece, or even the whole puzzle itself. You have something to offer. But you won't if you continue to only do things the way that you're told, to only perform your arts the way that you're taught to. Once you reach a certain level of skill or experience, it is totally okay to branch out and experiment. Please don't limit yourself. Don't continue to limit yourself if you are in this boat. Now, also understand this, because we have a lot of very creative thinkers. As an artist, you should also know that your creativity and imagination is supposed to be used to advance civilizations, and that the more we continue to turn from that, the more we are limiting our possibilities. At the end of the day, we're all artists. Painters, artists, dancers, artists, musicians, artists, engineers, scientists, programmers, artists. Have, have you guys ever heard that song by Logic uh, and it's featuring Russ? Russ has a line in the beginning that gives me shivers every single time. And it goes, there's a scarcity of free thinkers. It's all group thought. If you're a creative thinker, don't just congest yourself in that, in that crowd of just creative thinkers. Get out there and bring some stuff to the table, man. Don't just do it after work. Do it in work. If you have amazing ideas, don't let them shut you down. Or if you're in class, don't let it shut you down. Have conversations with your professor and amongst the peers. Don't just sit there and, oh, class is over. Okay, we're going to leave. No, man. How have we normalized not boosting our creative thinking, not showing our creativity? Now, you know that in every podcast, I have to use at least one article or book. I've used a book. There was one article that actually led me to really want to make this podcast. And I've read it a while back, and it was actually sent to me from my girlfriend's dad. Now, he went to a high school in New York as a musician, and it's called Lagardia High School. And it was posted by the New York Times. It's titled, 
Why Today's Youth Are No Longer Starstruck by New York City Fame School. Because at the time, a lot of people have come out of this school and have had successful Hollywood careers. And the article starts off saying, over the last decade, applicants have actually plummeted by 73%. And then it goes over the numbers. And it has this whole discussion about how a new, excuse me, and it has this whole discussion about how the new principal had eliminated these long-established music groups. And it talked about some flute ensembles, some orchestras, you know, some groups, piano classes, jazz, whatever. And basically what they did is they took this school and they made it super curriculum-based to the extent to where I believe it was like an, an AP calculus class or a certain calculus class that students had to pass. And if you look into it, there's this whole investigation. People got fired X, Y, Z. And this small this article is just a small example, but I like it because it's a very detailed one. If you read any of the books I've talked about in the past, they talk about all that with other examples, particularly in business. But this one I'm talking about in the realm of education. So what ended up happening was the art students who are going to an art school because of their gift in either movement or music, music theory. It was not about their craft anymore. It was about trying to fit them in with a realm that isn't in their core skill set or even their comfort. So if you go on to read the article, so many students failed. So many students' careers were actually ruined or didn't even get the opportunity to start because of the curriculum. Yeah, that really happened. And that is just a small example of what is primarily going on in our world today in terms of creativity, artistry, and creative thinking. One of the many things that I wish that I had understood as a young dancer, when I was a competition dancer, I used to sit at the competitions and while I may not have showed it, every single class, I was always so embarrassed. I was always so hurt and upset because what happens is when you go to competition, you're in the room with like hundreds and hundreds of other dancers in this big ballroom. And then there's a famous choreographer that goes up there and shares this piece that they made. And a lot of the times they're like, oh, you know, I choreographed this while I was on a plane, and whatever. And there are people who would get it like that. Boom, bada, bing, bada, bing, bada, boom. Five, six, seven, eight. Bada, boom, bada, bing, bada. And I'm just like, wow. And it hurt a lot. <laughs> but I had grown a comfort in the discomfort of not knowing, of not understanding. Because that is what made me different in the room. And y'all, do you know how many scholarships and how much recognition I got for that? Now, when I was getting the recognition, it never necessarily felt good because I didn't like being called out for it. But there was one time that I had done this backflip and I was doing this crazy thing to a combo that was done by, uh, well, I don't know who it was done by. It was done to the musical Hamilton. The song was Wait For It. And it connected with me so much. After a certain point, I somewhat understood the choreography, but I was wilding out. It's like giving it all that I have. The instructor stops the class. And she may have been wrong, maybe, but she says, you know why this young man's gonna have a future in this art? because he is out there and he is doing his thing relentlessly. He got what he got and he is bringing it all to the table in his own way. I couldn't even tell or care if he knew the choreography or not. And I actually cried. Um, <laughs> I remember I was sitting there and my eyes started watering, but when that class was done, I went to the bathroom and I bawled. And from that moment on, I realized that that, that example is actually a personal example 
that summarizes this podcast well. No matter how good you are, no matter how good we are or how good we claim to be or pretend to be, what's the point in knowing all these things if we have nothing to offer for it? Honestly, take what I just said as you will. But I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that there was much more of a beauty in knowing less, but building phenomenal things with what you know, than knowing an infinite amount of information of things that are already out there and are already proven. And in doing a job with a system that you already know. Now, will we ever stop judging people in the way of how much they know? Probably not. But I promise you this, that I will forever stand by a world and I will, I will forever be dedicated to creating a world where the artists are going to play, where the artists are going to create, where every impact that we have is something like no one has ever seen before. That will forever be my goal. Woo, that got hot. But I hope that you enjoyed today's show. And I hope that this one really has you feeling personally motivated to what you can really accomplish. And look, if you're out there right now and you feel like it's the end of everything or you just failed in whatever you're in, or maybe you don't feel like you are capable or worth the environment that you're in because maybe you got a bad grade or your boss said something or you failed an interview, I don't know. Just know that none of those things should ever define you. Only you and what you decide to build of yourself and what you're capable of and your beautiful imagination only that will define who you are. And do not let some kind of fake idea of some timeline that doesn't even exist go against you. Because in, in all reality, if you look at, you know, universal existence is how I'll define it. Time is relative. Time is really nothing but a personal belief. You can define time however you want, but at the end of the day, it is your time. All right, everybody, that concludes my podcast. I greatly appreciate you for taking the time to listen. I think that I will go ahead and after this third podcast, start uploading onto the major platforms. I will have my RSS feed. I will go ahead and start broadcasting it live. And I hope to continue making you guys feel inspired, making you guys really think, making you guys feel grateful for being alive and, and seeing what you're truly capable of. And with that, ETVT out.